Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. I want to start with an Irish greeting, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's appropriate for this month, but <laughs> no. Right. How are you wearing oh, your it... green? <laughs> we can just say, oh, it, it's early. It's time to talk about movies. Now, we got to start with something joyful. Get people excited. <laughs> hey, Andy, how's it going? <laughs> 
Oh, you've been man. up for several hours editing episodes. There you go. You're, exactly. You're like you're like taking a lunch break now, right? Is that about <laughs> where much, you are yes. in your day? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, coffee break. Coffee break. Oh, okay. So, how is your uh, has your movie week been? Have you had much of a movie week? We just watched. Um, what did we just get around to? This week, I've been I've been catching up on my TV. I'm like a year behind on Legion, which you know is sort of marvel related how about that um so i've been doing some some of the tv stuff uh movies see during the week it is really tough for me to get around to movies because i got the kid that i gotta take to dance class and all that good stuff so um no nothing that sticks out oh wait um wreck it ralph 2 breaks the internet Yes, saw that. Okay, Ralph breaks the internet. So check that <laughs> so, off the list. Check that off the list. I, that was last night. I was thinking during the week. Now, why did that not occur to me? We had such a great time with that movie. I was thinking still Oscar mode. No, we had. Oh my gosh! I think because my daughter's a huge Disney fan, she loves so much of that movie, and I had a great time with it. Except for the whole like Ralph virus part, which really bogged things down for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I had yeah. a I had a really good time with the rest of that movie. I uh, I was surprised. Uh, and my daughter's into like musical theater, so when we have a musical <laughs> musical number in there, she just lost it. You know, it was that it was, was the best. It was it was too much for her. She just kept like, oh my gosh, I can't. Oh my gosh, this is. And then <laughs> the princesses and their shirts and all that's. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, that was um, that was by far my favorite part of the whole film, and when the princesses all unite at the end, yes, to, uh, got- to help out, it was it was just it was a lot of fun. It was fun in 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 meta ways. Like I loved yes, the way they kind exactly. of took what they did with the first Wreck It Ralph, uh, with the old eighties um, video games. Well, not just eighties, like yeah. a lot of video games, yeah. but then yeah. kind of expanded that into the internet. I, I thought they did a lot of uh, good stuff with that. They had some problems still, but on the whole, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, they they did. But yeah, I think it was the meta stuff that just really entertained us when you've got, uh, you know, one princess speaking and the rest of them are like, we can't understand her. She's from the other studio. I thought that was just <laughs> if you if you know your Disney right. and your properties and where they came from, there was the little Stan Lee, you know, cameo. So, yeah, we enjoyed the the real meta pieces that really clicked with us. Yeah, it, it, it it's fun. Um, and even the. Uh, at the end credits when you've got you know the mother and daughter talking and she's like well yeah the movie was good but there was that one thing from the trailer that wasn't in the movie which is the (laughs) bunny gets the pancakes because we the credits started rolling and we were like wait where's the bunny and the pancakes thing what's going on Uh, (laughs) it was there for you it was it was there and they commented on the fact that yes it was in the trailer but not in the movie so yes right Lots of fun uh, with that one, but yeah, I've I've got a my list keeps getting longer of things that uh, just I keep reading about or coming across, and I'm waiting for my Criterion channel uh, to go live in in April. Although I don't know when I'm going to find time for that, uh, but they because they keep having these great they they are featuring a movie a week, uh, and I'm like, and it, it refreshes on Wednesday, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's one that I've been. Oh, it's gone. All right. Well, when the channel go, goes live, I'll watch it. I'm thinking, am I really? Where am I going to find the time? No, I will make the time. Dang it. I will make the time. 
You will. Yes, indeed. Yes, I believe it. But you've been, you've got, uh, I've been seeing the reviews feed. You've got quite a few things that, you know, you've been tackling this week in addition to all the Marvel craziness. I mean, not a ton. I, you know, the yeah. last, the last couple, I mean, one was a seven minute short film. The other was a, well, was a, a one hour, <laughs> uh, film. And then before that, it was a Buster Keaton one hour film. So, you know, some short, oh, okay. some short. <laughs> I got through some short things. That's what I was looking at this week. What can I check off my list that's short? Because that's where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, thanks to uh, to Nick Langdon, um, one of our patrons, he had, uh, you know, recommended some more of Makoto Shinkai's films, uh, including five centimeters per second. And then the short film that I I just watched earlier this morning, Someone's Gaze. So uh, some he's uh, a really interesting uh, uh, anime filmmaker who did Your Name, which is probably the one most people are familiar with. But uh, but of the three projects of his that I've seen now, um, I really enjoy them. So I, I want to go back and look at more of his stuff. Have you seen Your Name? No, I have not. Uh, it's definitely one worth checking out, which I think is a smart thing to do uh, sooner rather than later because I can't okay. remember who somebody is making a live action. They're remaking. Of that yes, one, you know? I remember hearing about that. So yeah, yes, some I people say they're gonna they're gonna go ruin that movie. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, it's inevitable when you have a good movie, they feel the need to uh, to do that. And, uh, but you know, I mean, it's, it's based on a novel, I guess it's just one of those things where it's not the first time that this has happened. So we shouldn't be yeah. too, uh, horrified by it, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it's JJ Abrams actually, I actually know another I'm looking, he's, um, signed on to produce it with Eric Heiserer writing it and oh, Mark, okay. Mark Webb actually signed on to direct it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, watch the animated one. It's wonderful. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard great things about it. Yeah. After I get to In the Name of the Father. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, so Marvel, uh, it's been uh, quite a busy week for uh, for Marvel. First, Captain Marvel, of course, opened and uh, has been doing gangbusters at the box office. So that's... Oh, uh, yeah. That's... I guess it's no surprise to anybody except the uh, angry incels who wanted it to not do well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it is proving itself a worthy, uh, a worthy contender in the Marvel films as far as the ones that are raking in the money. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see where that one ends up. I know it's almost 600 million uh, worldwide so far. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big success at the box office. Oh, oh yeah. So I went on Sunday and saw it with my oh, wife yeah, you saw and it daughter. Second time, right? Yes, I still really enjoyed it the second time around, and they loved it. And I think from uh, you know when she's you know stands up and says, you know, I have nothing to prove to you. There was an audible like yes from my wife and daughter. <laughs> I think at that moment, uh, no, they really connected with it. Had a had a great time with it. I think it's a film that's finding uh, its audience. 
is out there. And again, it's one of these things that studios often seem, well, I guess not so much with this one because it's got the Marvel branding behind it. But usually when we have like female-led action movies or female comedies, there's always like, wow, it was this surprise, surprise hit. And again, it's like, no, women will show up for movies when it's something that's of interest to them and they will show up in, in large numbers. And I think this is one of the things with with Captain Marvel that finally we've got a female superhero and it's a for, I, as I said I think it's a, a solid story yes there's you know as we talked about the review there's a, a few little issues but yeah I think it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that when you have a you know a large audience out there for a film they will show up for it yeah absolutely yeah I feel like this is a lesson that Hollywood keeps learning over and over like they yes. were shocked when Titanic made a bunch of money you know, it's like, yeah. what is this thing doing? All these women keep coming and watching this movie. <laughs> the boat sinks. Everybody knows that. What's the surprise? It's not about the boat, people. Oh, yes. Hollywood. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking but, of, of Hollywood, I have a, a little interesting tidbit of news. It was an article that I just came across um, yesterday. This was on The Atlantic about... Uh, the headline is the movie studio trying to survive on risk taking alone. And this is about Annapurna Pictures, who is behind both If Beale Street Could Talk, Sorry to Bother You, and Vice. And they have been just really struggling uh, to have profitable movies. But you look at the films that they've been putting out, and it is uh, sort of, you know, those smaller art films, quality films. People say they get good reviews, but unfortunately aren't finding you know, the audience out there in the, in the box office. Cause uh, if Beale street could talk, you know, again, we're, we're getting some advice, uh, get some nominations, but then there was also, and I don't know that it, it this is hit here is Karen uh, Kusama's cop drama destroyer with uh, Nicole Kidman, which looks amazing, but I don't recall that. I know it got a December release for Oscar consideration, I believe, but didn't get anything. And it's, I don't, I don't recall seeing that even being out here, but it's one that looks like a film I'm going to really enjoy. Uh, but apparently the studio has these films that get good critical praise, but the box office isn't there. And so there's questions as to how long this, this studio is going to survive with this model or if they're going to have to shift because uh, they've had films like uh, the Sister Brothers, which had a budget of like thirty-one million, but only pulled in you know three million. Um, so there's there's questions about you know the sustainability of a model that's focusing on quality that may not align with you know what the audiences are looking for. Well, I feel like, and that's an interesting uh, case study, I suppose, with Annapurna Pictures, because I feel like. That applies to just as much to Neon or A24 or any of these yeah. these small studios that are making or releasing, uh, you know, smaller independent types of yeah. films and ones that are going to find a more difficult time finding a big audience for sure. I know A24 has had, I mean, they've had some luck with some some uh, much bigger ones, and and maybe that's the um, the what that they're surviving on is when they have something like the Disaster Artist that you know I'm looking at the budget for that was ten million and it made almost thirty million, so that helps. 
you know, it, it's it's not huge, but uh, but I mean, they've also I, I know they've released some bigger ones that I'm I'm just forgetting. But uh, maybe that's the problem that Annapurna is having is they just haven't had enough of those that have balanced balanced things out as much. Because I mean, if Beale Street could talk, that's you know, budget of twelve million, box office eighteen point two. Um, theoretically, it made money, but it, not yeah. if, not if you you know figure out you know use the calculation to determine how much they spend on <laughs> on uh, prints and advertising. Destroyer, on the other hand, I mean, budget of nine million, box office two point two. So, I don't know if that's just saying that Nicole Kidman is no longer really kind of yeah. has the box office draw she used to, or what, or if they just you know didn't release it with the right um, you know release model to push a film like yeah. this out. I don't know. I, I, yeah, because I don't know if that yeah. one did make it through over here. Yeah, I yeah I don't know, and I'm I'm looking at some of their their films, you know, over the past years, and there's things like um, Phantom Thread, but then you know Detroit, which I know um, I en- I enjoyed. It there were some problems. It's not one that I was like, oh yeah, that's one of my top films. I'm going to highly recommend. Uh, you know, in 2018, you've got uh, if Beale Street could talk advice, but you have the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and the Sisters Brothers. Um, you know, one you know ended up on Netflix. Uh, going back to 2016, you know, you've got Sausage Party, and uh, but then you've got you know Richard Linklater's Everybody Wants Some, which you know didn't really hit. So it's this this hit or miss, and none of the hits have been like huge runaway, you know, ones that I think broke outside you know sort of the limited audience and became like a, a big word of mouth hit out there like the disaster artist you know well, a 24s had some more of those did you say uh, vice because vice was theirs too yeah. yes yeah vice yeah, was okay. theirs but again that was one that i you know i enjoyed but it, i think it still fell short and i think it was a, a tough film how many people are like oh yeah i want to see a story about dick cheney uh whereas you know the big short you know adam mckay's you know prior film i think the housing crisis was something that impacted people you know more directly so that's something of yeah like hey yeah i had friends that were impacted by this or yeah we had financial hardship let's what what was the cause of this how much did dick cheney's life really impact everybody well you know do people think about that are they that interested Probably well, not. they're an interesting company because they are actually a production yeah. company as well yeah. as a distributor. And right. a lot of these that they're uh, producing as the company, I mean, yes, they're co-producing it, um, but uh, that that could be the model that is uh, that they're struggling with, where they uh, maybe are better off just doing the distribution side of things. I don't know, because A24... And Neon, both of those, I am pretty sure, are just working as distributors. And maybe that's maybe that is what's causing them to uh, to struggle more. You know, they just don't have the they're they're spending so much producing stuff that they I mean, sure, they rightfully want to see out there. But, um, yeah, that might be their model that the the part of the model that's not working. Well, and if if they're not there to be, you know, how many of these films would would make it through? Uh, you know, if they're not there to, you know, as a, you know, production company, you know, on these projects, how many of these would, uh, you know, be picked up by someplace else? So I'm, I'm glad they're out there giving these filmmakers this opportunity, but yeah, it, it is that, that hard place to be in, uh, if the audiences aren't there and maybe it's finding the right distribution model and that gets into Netflix and, is that going to be the the answer? You know, only Netflix is going to somebody like Netflix is going to be able to actually, you know, produce something like this and distribute it because they've got 
the you know the big bank account to to fund these things and they've got other revenue streams to support it if you know some of these don't quite pan out a 24's biggest uh um, box office draw at the u.s in the u.s market so far looks like it's been um ladybird followed by hereditary then moonlight those are the only three though that that capped uh uh, that broke over 50 million everything else wow. was under 50 million and if you look at uh let's just see neon looks like itania is the only uh, one that yeah. broke the 50 million mark for them as far as u.s gross yeah. and uh then let's look at annapurna uh well let's see as as a production company lawless Zero Dark Thirty, and these are co-productions, American Hustle, Joy, oh, okay. Sausage Party, um, and Vice all broke fifty million. And then okay. in just, you know, and, and that but that's worldwide gross. Yeah. Uh, the other ones were just US. Uh and just as their distributor arm uh Creed Two. Actually oh. that they uh, co-distributed that in the oh. US um with uh, MGM. That and Vice, those are the only two okay. of their distribution uh, films that they've actually broken fifty million with. So, yeah, it just could be uh, you know picking yeah. the right projects, and maybe maybe yeah. it is a model that needs shifting for them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, who knows? Interesting, mm-hmm. very interesting. Back to Marvel, real back, quick. Back to Marvel. Yes, the um, uh, they have now hired Dustin Daniel Cretton who directed um, Short-Term 12 with uh, Brie Larson. Oh, Brie Larson, yeah. yeah um, they, uh, they've they hired him. He is a uh, um, going to be helming the uh, the film Shang-Chi. It's the comic book superheroes, uh, uh, their first movie featuring an Asian lead, So, uh, which should be exciting. And it'll be an interesting uh, story to see. Shang-Chi... Uh, was created back in 1973, and uh, Asian American screenwriter David Callaham has been writing the script since then. And uh, now they have an Asian American director directing it, and it's going to be an interesting one. This is a character I know nothing about, but I guess in the stories, in the comics, eventually he does uh, join up with the Avengers. So. I, I'm uh-huh. wondering if this is something they're looking at for phase four and onward, finding ways to build, you know, bring new people into the Avengers as certain contracts run out and things start shifting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, again, this is one of those characters I'm not familiar with and I yeah. <laughs> contemplate how, how deep do I want to dive into the Marvel uh, <laughs> universe? But yeah, I mean, that is the, you know, comic book fans know that, you know, the Avengers, it's a very fluid, you know, team. Oh, sure. So it's it's nice to see that uh, there's hopefully planning uh, for that. You you get the, you know, get the audience hooked with the big recognizable heroes and you start weaving in these uh, smaller characters. Well, you know, I think when Ant-Man came out, uh, was released and announced, people were like, well, who's this and how's he fit in? But I think they've they've found, as we've often discussed, 
you know, it's it's a superhero movie, but they find a way to sort of fit it in with other genres. And, and Ant-Man's sort of that lighter comic uh, tone to it found its its place. And I think with uh, Shang-Chi here, uh, he, I see he's known as what, like the master of Kung Fu. So yeah. we, you know, we've got a whole different genre here to explore within this Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I, I think will be the, is the key to success for them of, We've always got the the larger Avengers arc, but we can do these smaller sort of genre type films within this universe. Plus, you know, they are moving. It sounds like they're moving forward with the Black Widow movie, so we're going to get that. Oh, and good. they're they're tapping into Lynn Shelton, who directed Laggies, uh, to tell her story. So oh. again, they're they're you know looking at what what can we do to kind of expand these stories and and uh, you know we've talked about this on the show and even just in our recent one about captain marvel how they are tapping into these indie filmmaker circles and it's it's always been a thing that that the studios have done with with these franchises but i i like that they're doing that and i i applaud them even if people complain about marvel even if people uh, don't necessarily like the films they are uh they're allowing you know different voices to come in and do some unique things and so uh that that excites me yeah so definitely we've got another big chunk of marvel news to talk about oh what's that what am i forgetting guardians of the galaxy (laughs) three right (laughs) and then there's that oh that (laughs) little thing that little thing where disney's like oh no we're gonna we're gonna bring james gunn back uh to do guardians of the galaxy three yes i don't know what to make of this i'm excited about it i think uh yeah, I I don't know. It, it's a complicated issue of, you know, when people do things in the past, holding them accountable for it now. Uh, but I, as a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, I'm very excited for this. I am too. It's, uh, you know, I, I think for a franchise that was so beloved by people and for a lot of people, I, it seems to be the one franchise in the marvel under the marvel umbrella where people who are like oh i'm not really a comic books fan but i love guardians like it seems to be the one that people are still drawn to and it would have been i don't know it would have felt odd to have a guardians film without him at the helm and i I, yes according to the article it sounds like they weren't uh ever really seriously considering anybody else i think that hopefully it sounds like behind the scenes they had just been trying to you know figure out how to kind of how to fix this mess and i don't know i some people are going to complain but for me i am just glad to see that it's happening this way because i think it's uh i think it just makes for a better franchise and i i think it also is an interesting step for a lot of these um uh companies and people and just society in general to to start looking at some of these influences that are are you know, causing things and, and and just the whole idea of the 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 shifting the ways that people are kind of a, so quickly attacking people and quick to judge and everything and and finding ways to you know look we can still move through these issues if they come up let's find a way and see if we can't um, you know move past it and and you know find healing in a weird way yes um, but we're gonna have to wait. Until he finishes doing the Suicide Squad, yes, yes, for for DC, which I—it's got to be better than the first one. 
<laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one to see what that take of the Suicide Squad looks like. Yes. So I, is that a reboot? Are they no, rebooting no, no. It's that? A sequel. It's, it's a sequel, but okay. But it's wasn't the first one called Suicide Squad? So it's the Suicide Squad. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's like I'm just, I'll, I'll just Wolverine, show it to see the Wolverine. It. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I hear that. Is it Idris Elba might actually take over uh, for Will Smith in that? Oh, really? I had not heard that. Like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I guess Will Smith only wants to be in the bad one. <laughs> uh, I don't know I, what he's doing with his career anymore. <laughs> I yes, that Idris Elba. That'd be interesting. Now is. Is he still in the is the the James Bond thing is that done? I mean, because Daniel Craig's coming back for the next one, I think. But is Idris Elba? Has there been any? Is oh, that still speculation that, out there? I don't think that ever was. I think Serious? people were pushing. I think fans of fans? him okay. were pushing it, but I don't think that was something ever seriously considered by anyone in the James Bond industry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll just have to look forward to seeing him in. Being evil superhero in Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, there you go. There okay, you go. that's your chance. All right, all right. So, what are we going to do for trailers? You got a red band, and I got an A twenty four. I'm so excited. We have red band and A twenty four. It's been it's a long great. time. It is great. I, I don't know what wins out on that. If I, you I think it's the first person it. who posted. So I guess it's you. Because <laughs> I posted on you, Monday. I know you were like, "Wow, so <laughs> well, exciting." I, well, yes, this because it uh, it was at South by Southwest. And so it was like all the news coming out of South by Southwest and films showing there. And this is like right in my wheelhouse. You should know that. Oh, um, I know. I know. We're, this is <laughs> we're in high school. So why wouldn't Steve pick this trailer? Uh, I'm talking about Booksmart. And this is a story of two girls who on the eve of their high school graduation uh realize that they've focused on being like academic superstars and got into good colleges but the kids that goofed off got into those same colleges so they're <laughs> gonna go out and and show everybody that they can have fun too uh this one is uh it's a directorial debut of olivia wilde so i'm impressed you know that not only did she has you know put a movie together but it's getting these really solid reviews out of south by southwest a lot of comparisons to super bad uh some people say that those comparisons are are easy to make because uh beanie feldstein uh who people know is uh from ladybird is actually jonah hill's younger sister which i did not know that no, they were related she was she was also in neighbors too uh so they're saying oh you've got the you know the the funny sidekick and it's it's you know jonah hill oh but it's his sister of course this is like super bad uh and then caitlin deaver from tv's tim allen show last man standing which i do not watch um are, are our main characters out there to, to prove that they can have fun this is one I, I sent off to my oldest daughter in college and said, hey, this looks like a movie targeted towards you and your friends because she was definitely that academic type to not go out and cause problems and, and break rules. Um, so I think she's going to really identify with these these characters. Uh, I'm not encouraging her to participate <laughs> in any of this type of activity by any means, uh, but it's something I wanted to get her reaction. She said, oh, my gosh, that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I agree. It looks like a lot of fun, and 
yeah, I'm excited about this. It's it's hitting theaters May 24th, and it's just got so much. The reviews coming out are just saying this is going to be a classic. I watched on IMDb. There was some an interview with uh, director, writer, and cast talking about some of their uh, favorite, you know, female buddy movies. Uh, Livia Wilde talked about movies that informed her as a, a kid and what, why she picked this as the movie to make as her first film. And she talked about you know, like Breakfast Club and Fast Times and Clueless and just those movies that sort of, you know, she identified with or, or connected with growing up and wanted to to create a movie like that. And if, if this is of that quality, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I I, I think it looks uh, really funny, really clever. Um, some Some great characters here. And uh, I love the performances, at least from the trailer that I'm seeing of these two, Billy Lord and Caitlin Dever. They, uh, they've got great chemistry, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So count me in. Okay. Well, I, uh, you went the Red Band route, and it certainly was a great Red Band trailer. I went the A24 route, and I'm looking at their new film, The Souvenir, that is, is coming out um, in May, also May 17th here in the U.S., this is an, an interesting, uh, an interesting story uh, uh, directed by Joanna Hogg, written and directed, and and starring uh, Tilda Swinton as I guess I would say the the matriarch of what seems like kind of a, a, a relatively uh, you know ritzy uh, house and her relationship really i mean it's her daughter's story and her daughter is i i'm guessing it's played by her daughter whose name is honor swinton burn and uh she it's really kind of her story about this relationship that she has with um this guy and uh i mean the imdb uh description gives me a little bit more a young film student in the early 80s becomes romantically involved with a complicated and untrustworthy man i like that i like this character a lot this this character played uh by uh, by honor um julie who she's this you know rich girl who doesn't want to necessarily just live this rich life and she's trying to find her own place but the the thing that really just caught my eye was all of the stuff going on in this relationship with this guy, how sneaky they're kind of sneaking behind the, her mother's back because it's not a relationship her mom would approve of. But there's, you know, does this guy love her? Does he not? Is he is he taking her stuff? He's asking for money. Like there's a lot of stuff going on that I found really interesting in in this uh, relationship. And just uh, the way that it struck me was I, I just I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. And uh, Tom Burke plays the the guy that she um, is uh, in in love with. And I don't feel uh, he's done quite a bit of stuff, but I don't feel like I've really seen him in things, uh, you know, looking through his his credits. There's nothing. Uh, I mean, I, I, I recognize projects that he's been in, but I don't think I've seen any of them. Uh, I just I I don't know just the the relationship between these two paired with Tilda Swinton I really was struck by um, so this is one that I'm very curious about what do you think Yeah it's it strikes me as a sort of updating of a, a storyline from you know 
like Victorian literature where you've got, you know, you've got the wealthy, wealthy family and you've got sort of a, a sketchy guy uh, and you've got the, the young woman who, who wants to break free out of the, you know, confines of that aristocracy that, you know, that controlled living and, and go and do something. So it, it's got those tones and themes, uh, but to set it, you know, in a more contemporary setting where she's like, yeah, I've got money, but I want to be my own person. And she's getting into, I don't know, it looks like acting or something, you know, clearly, you know, not, you know, why would you do that? You've got this perfect life. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued by this. It's, uh, I don't know how, I don't know what to make of this. Um, if this is something that I, I don't know that I'm going to rush out to see this in the theater. I don't know that it's going to hit theaters around me. It is a 24, but an, a nice character drama. And as I was, once you pick this, I was looking and I see that there is a part two that is in pre-production. And according to the notes, uh, Joanna Hogg had always planned to make two parts since she started working on the story. And the question was whether to shoot them back to back or shoot one first and then the other. So there may be a follow-up story to the souvenir. I don't know, but I, I agree the, the, you know, I'm always Tilda Swinton. I know I will always enjoy, uh, her daughter playing her daughter, I guess I, I'm, I'm compelled. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I it, it it feels like a solid A twenty four film. It, it it's yeah. got it's got a, a solid cast. It looks like an interesting story. This isn't going to appeal to everyone, but I the the dynamics of these characters uh, looks like it's going to take us on a really interesting journey with this this relationship. Uh, whether she's being manipulated and used by him, uh, yeah, that's it's to see how she reacts to that this this journey. I'm I'm intrigued. Well, they're both 7.0 on IMDb right now, so okay, we'll have to we'll have to uh, yeah. see which one we end up liking better. There we go. All right, all right. Well, it's time for our lists. Creed two is the movie we were talking about this week, and uh, and the patrons chose uh based on our options parents who are pushing their children into directions they don't necessarily want to go in so that's uh that's what we're talking about so would you like to kick it off or would you like me to start um yeah you go ahead and start i, I did the trailer first you go ahead and do, do your your list first my first um my first choice is a film that came out in 98 that I was really struck by. I just absolutely loved it. And uh, it's it, it's kind of this small little British film, but it uh, it made a little bit of a splash, I think, because of the amazing performance at the center of the film by Jane Horrocks. It is Little Voice, uh, a film based on the play, The Rise and Fall of Little Voice. And it's about this uh, this young reclusive girl who lives with her mother and is very, very shy. And but what she does is she basically, you know, hides in her bedroom all the time and listens to old records uh, and basically sings their parts just like they do, like mimicking them, like Judy Garland and Shirley, Shirley Bassey and and Gracie Fields. And she's an amazing singer. And that's the thing that I really take away from Little Voice is how amazing Jane Horrocks is at at singing in the style of these different artists. And of course, you know, um, a, a boy that she likes thinks that there's something impressive there, and and it, 
uh, introduces her to this guy who gets her to sing at a club and he's dating her mom and her mom and this guy kind of push her to be, to kind of sing and become this big star and stuff and and of course that's kind of the where things go and and kind of the the way that it unfolds is this this sense that they're pushing her but it's nothing that she really wanted to do she's just good at it and uh, builds to a big emotional payoff at the end that's my first choice little voice heard of it never seen it it's a good one it's it's especially just to watch the uh the incredible performance of jane horrick i mean she's just so good singing all these different voices i'll add it to my list all right so let's see my first pick is uh it's one of my favorite films and it actually wasn't one of the first things that came to mind it's actually the last thing that came to mind i i don't know why but um story about about you know young men growing up in a, you know attending a private school and of course dad has a specific vision of what he wants his son to be but his son wants to go and be an actor but dad wants him to be a doctor and we've got a very oppressive dad in dead poet society who is demanding that neil give up these shenanigans with his teacher and and acting and that's silly and ridiculous and he needs to become a doctor and it's a story arc that ends very tragically with um well, I won't spoil things if people haven't seen the movie, but I think yeah. 30, years, 30 years on, people probably should have, but we may have some young listeners out there. But that's one that, uh, yeah, for me, it's like the pinnacle of maybe almost a caricature of just like, I am a stubborn, you know, dad. And But that that was the 50s, I guess. You've got a, a certain type of masculinity there that uh, and expectations, but that's my first pick. Nice. That was, uh, that was one that was definitely on my list, but... Um uh it's okay that it's it was stolen uh, i'll forgive you <laughs> okay okay so for my next one i am jumping to uh, it's funny that you picked that one because that was the year that do the right thing got uh got snubbed in in so many oh, yeah? directions um yeah i am looking at one of spike lee's films actually i oh. am looking not at that film but at he got game from 98 which I thought was kind of I don't know I really liked that movie and I think it's a, it's one of Spike Lee's stronger films. It's not one that I love, but it certainly is one with a performance by Denzel that always stuck with me. And the way that that story plays out, I mean, he's he's in prison for having killed his wife, and the governor of the state releases him on parole for a week to go persuade his son, uh, who is an incredible, incredible basketball player to play for the governor's alma mater. <laughs> it's like exactly what politicians <laughs> would do. Yes. And uh, and so he has to now kind of try to convince his son, uh, this this basketball player, um, to who's played actually by Ray Allen, an NBA uh, star, to uh, to do this. And it's uh, it's a great relationship story between these guys as they uh, as they kind of come to terms with their relationship and as the as dad now has a chance to try to convince his son um, to at least you know it, it ends in a great like a basketball game between the two of them to to make this decision as to whether he's going to do it or not. Uh, I won't spoil how that ends, but what I do enjoy is the way that it ends is this sense, you know, uh, his, the dad has this line, uh, you know, basically kind of get rid of this hate that you have for me 
or you're going to end up like me. You know, find a way past the hate. And uh, it was a really strong message in a film that was really interesting. And it, um, so I like that one quite a bit. That's my, my, my next choice. He got game. One of the Spike Lee ones I have not seen. But oh, I, it's a good one. Check it out. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a, always a fan of Denzel. So check that out. Yeah. <clears throat> Inevitably, uh, interesting. Uh, sports is always going to come up. When you've got a topic like this, and I'm I'm going with the I think the obvious pick. Um, it's not a sports movie though, but probably perhaps for for kids growing up in the 80s and 90s, one of the most memorable monologues from Emilio Estevez in The Breakfast Club about the relationship between him and his father, as it pertains to wrestling and the drive to be successful. Mm. That is my second pick. Nice. Nice. I should have thought about that one. That's a good, a good call. I I think that I didn't because I was trying to think of films that actually depicted the relationship with the parent, right. and and that's just the conversation. And so I never thought of that one. Right. But, uh, that's a good good call. Well, for my final choice, I uh, am looking at something very recent. Uh, in fact, it just came out last year. It's uh, it's an Asian film. Some people, uh, I think there's actually two very prominent ones that uh, that uh, that I could say here. Uh, I'm I'm not going with the I suppose more obvious and certainly more uh, box office successful over here at the U.S. Um, but I am looking at another film that was uh, very critically praised and actually was nominated for a, uh, a best foreign language uh, Oscar this past year. It uh, lost to Roma. But it, it is the film Shoplifters, which is just I just watched this and it's it's a beautiful story about this family that basically shoplifts to uh, to survive. And you learn things about the nature of the members of this family as the film goes along that I think were really interesting and uh, spoke to me about, you know, um, who we have as our family and, and all of that. But I mean, the, 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 at the center of it is this story of this young boy who kind of ends up, um, as he realizes the nature of what they're doing and this whole world of, of stealing to survive that he's been doing his whole life only to start realizing there, it might not be the right thing to do. And it was really touching to kind of watch that turn in the young boy and, and really kind of how that drives the the final uh, act of the film. It's really beautiful. So that's uh, my final pick, Shop, Shoplifters. I've I've heard great things about that film. And it's one that, yeah, I uh, want to see, but uh, just have not had the opportunity. Yeah. Okay, for for my final pick, I'm I'm slightly bending the rules on this one because I just love talking about this movie so much, and I'm I'm finding a way to fit it in because we do have we do have a very driven mother, um, to the point that I think the daughter is almost I, I don't want to say brainwashed, but is is sort of complicit in this. So there's not as much of that you know pushing and, and resistance, but um, this is. Just one of my favorite comedies of all time um, about a beauty pageant when we have uh, Gladys Lehman, who as a teen uh, won the contest and is now pushing her daughter, uh, Rebecca, to to take that crown uh, now that it is her turn. And this is just an amazing movie. This is, if you can find it out on 
used DVD out there somewhere, I highly recommend you pick up 1999's Drop Dead Gorgeous with Kirsten Dunst, Ellen Barkin, Allison Janney, Denise Richards, Kirstie Alley, uh, small performance by Amy Adams in there back in the day. Uh, it is playing around with that sort of mockumentary you know, format, but uh, when you've got this cast of of women it just i, I laughed just thinking about this movie and i was fortunate enough to find a copy on dvd uh, like two years ago because it's not out this is one of these films that's been lost uh in rights issues or or whatever so it's not available streaming you're only going to be able to see it if you can find a dvd out there um that's my my last pick i uh i know you've brought it up on the on the show before and I still haven't watched it. Oh, I'm going to have to just lend you this. Because I'll, I'll watch it <laughs> while you watch In the Name watch of the Father. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds like Take a plan. That. Take that. All right. Uh, well, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, it's one that I am very curious about. So I look forward yeah. to watching it one day. Cool. All well, right. them's, the, them's the lists. Do you have any backups you want to uh, mention real quick? No, that was, I got lucky on this one because my list was not, you know, there were there were movies that I've heard about, but I'm just like, yeah, I haven't seen that. And it's I, I started adding films like, well, I should probably watch that. I should probably watch that, but <laughs> haven't haven't seen them. I mean, the first one that came to mind was I I remember seeing, oh gosh, when I was a young kid, like back when Siskel and Ebert were on TV reviewing movies. I think of um, Robert Duvall and The Great Santini, which is oh, one yeah. that you know, as a young kid, I was just like, ooh, that looks like a horrible movie. Why would I want to watch that? But now I'm like, <laughs> I'm sort of intrigued. Yeah. Uh, but that's one that. Uh, yeah, just I never. Got weirdly, I don't remember the father. I, I didn't like that movie very much, so maybe that's why yeah, I didn't that didn't stick be. with me. But I was thinking some other options I had um, were the Manchurian Candidate, which I I think would be probably fitting. Although <laughs> I don't think he wanted to be a, a Russian spy <laughs> <laughs> or a communist spy. Um, Footloose, I I think you could argue would. Oh work. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Shine which uh it's more of a domineering father and he certainly is still doing what he the wanted to do but uh, i think you know obviously the the father kind of pushes him into a, a different mental yeah. state crazy rich asian was the, was the other one that i was uh referencing from last year and um and then i think you could argue that any of the king lear uh tales could potentially work the way that uh um you know the i don't know i i feel like the 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 two kids the two sons are kind of fighting for fighting for the the father's property and stuff. It's not necessarily, maybe not, maybe it won't work, but no, I would say the other one that (laughs) was, there was one other one. Oh gosh. Now it's gone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, Carrie, you know, Stephen oh, King's sure, Carrie. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, where, what, yeah, I mean, it's, you've got a very, you know, and I, I sort of went, tried to see if there was more in that sort of controlling parent uh, piece, but then you just get into, you know, sort of like just, are they just bad parents? And that, that didn't really quite fit into, you know, exactly what I was looking for. Cause there's somewhere it's like, Oh, a parent objects to what is, a kid is doing. Well, that's, that's different because it's like, yeah, the parent doesn't want the kid to do it, but it's different from sort of the pressuring to do something different. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. All right. So what are we, wh- where are we going now? We're done. Well, with we're, Rocky, right? Yeah. We're kicking off our, a star is born, uh, series. 
And so we're going. And I haven't only seen the newest one, so I don't know how okay. how useful I'm going to be at at picking a list based on the original A Star Is well, Born. I, but I, I will say, I the, haven't seen it either. So. The only thing that I know that's different <laughs> about the 1937 yeah. version uh, that yeah. William Wellman directed is that it's it's about an actress. They, I think it's right. the second iteration of the story when they switch to a singer. Yes. So we could do, uh, you know, um, coming to Hollywood. To be to make your mark, that could be a list. Okay. Uh, alcoholism. We've got uh, you know that that whole storyline. We could do uh, yep. alcoholism. So we're just going to burn all our stars born bridges here on the first one. Okay. Yeah, we'll see what people pick. <laughs> <laughs> alcoholism will just be there for all four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, but I think that's that's going to be a challenge with this one because. Wow, unlike any other, I mean, Rocky was a stretch, but at least there was something different. Here we're getting pretty much the same story four times. This is well, gonna, cer- certainly the last three, yeah. and that's why I think yeah. if we if we throw yeah. acting into the mix with acting this one, in this one, this one will be good. That's going to yeah. be the help. So, so coming to Hollywood to be a star, uh, alcoholism, yeah. and uh, we could do either. We could do like. Um, a rise to fame or we could do a uh you know collapse of a career (laughs) (laughs) again these are things we'll probably be throwing in what doesn't get used will be back so yes (laughs) uh let's focus on the collapse of a career okay yeah let's do that one okay those are our choices coming to hollywood to make a big alcoholism or collapse of a career Okay. All right. Well, we'll get that out there, everybody. And in the meantime, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate all of your support. Uh, so thanks. We uh, we uh, couldn't do it without you. Or I guess we could, but it would be that much harder. <laughs> so, it would be a lot lonelier. Yes. It would be very lonely. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. And I guess until next week, Steve, uh, thanks for joining me today. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.